Welcome to the World of Women Create podcast series, where we bring you the magical and innovative worlds of artisans and makers from the pages of our magazines, where women create and what women create, along with special guests who are entrepreneurs and experts in their fields. We love to share great conversation with extraordinary women, women you may be very familiar with and others you may not know. My name is Jennifer Blott, and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Women Create. It is my pleasure to welcome you, our listeners, and all of our guests as we explore the ups and downs, challenges and triumphs, exhilaration and immense joy of living a creative life. A creative life is a life that's rarely stagnant and always leading us down surprising paths. Thank you for being part of our creative world, the world of Women Create. Hello and welcome to the World of Women Create podcast. I am here today with Christina Henson, who is an artist, author, and storyteller who lives in central New York, surrounded by the Finger Lakes that provide endless inspiration for her artwork and writing. We were thrilled to have Christina as one of our wonderful first-person stories in our spring issue of What Women Create. And one of the reasons we were thrilled to speak with Christina today is because Christina does the 100-day project. She's been doing it since 2019, and incredible projects have come out of that commitment to 100 days of creating. And this year, the 100-day project began on February 23rd. We wanted to check in with Christina and hear how it's going and just hear about her history creating through this special annual 100-day project event. Hi, Christina. It's great to have you. Oh, Jennifer, it's so nice to be here with you. Thank you so much. I want to get right into things. Today is day eight of mm-hmm. 100 days. Yes. Um, so tell me tell me where you are with this today. Have you already done your writing and, and illustrations today, or is it going to come later? No, I have done it today already. So during the 100-day projects, I have to, I get up extra early. I get up early normally, but- yeah. Um, during these 100 days, I give myself a little bit more time even. I find that if I wait until later in the afternoon, the day gets away too quickly. And um, so taking that time in the morning to get this done, and then that dark, quiet time in the house too, is just so magical. Uh, There's something that is much more creative at that time for me than any other time of the day. So I've done it. I'm doing something a little bit different this year. It's more of a behind the scenes part of the 100 day project. Um, I'm editing and revising some illustrations that I did on a project two years ago. It was about an owl, an owl story, and it was called Who Knew? And I thought that the book was done. And when I got it all put together, I realized that there were some parts that weren't working. So I decided to take this year to finesse the rest of that story. And so I'm not going to post every day, but once a week, I'm going to let everybody know how I'm doing. Day eight, I'm in. (laughs) And and do you foresee using the entire 100 days on? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Christina, for people who are not familiar with the 100 Day Project, will you give us a brief intro to what it entails and what the online Instagram component is? Sure, sure. Um, It is a global project. It happens every year. I believe that it started maybe 10 years ago on Instagram. I'm not really sure the exact date on that, but it started a while ago. It was originally um, a college professor. It was part of a graduate program that he developed. And then a group of friends brought it to social media and developed it further on that platform. I watched it for a couple of years, you know, always amazed at what people were doing in a hundred days and how they made time to do this. And 
um, always wanted to try, but never, I was like, I just don't have time for that. Who has time, but (laughs) time allowed itself. And um, I jumped in and did the project and I just, I couldn't even believe how it all unfolded for me. It was just wonderful. It was easy to do with the parameters that I set up for myself. You know, I didn't overthink things. I didn't, there was no edits, no redos allowed. I just went in, created a piece of writing and a piece of art and the scariest part was hitting that send button and submitting it to Instagram and posting it. Um, I'd never really done that before. So it was um, a component that was uncomfortable at first, but then at the end was the greatest bit of inspiration just to hear people's feedback and everybody was waiting for the next day. Um, I developed this following of friends and people that I didn't know Uh, And that really gave me the spark to keep going. And it continues to. I keep little notes around from people that inspired me to keep going. Okay. So you post updates along the way Mm -hmm. every day? Yeah. Every day in the hundred days. Yeah. Uh But not only are you posting your own work, you're also part of this hashtag that you're looking at other people's work and commenting on theirs, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the whole beautiful spirit of the project is you're, you really feel like you're a part of a community of other creatives. Um, And it just, it's just endless, the possibilities and the things that open up and the folks that you meet, it really, uh, it's an incredible experience. If anybody has, you know, just uh, the thought about doing it, I just give it a try, you know? Well, and I'm thinking about timing here. You, your first year was 2019 yeah. and then the subsequent couple of years, pandemic time. And so I'm guessing it was really amazing to connect with people when you were feeling probably more isolated than usual. Yes, right? absolutely. Yeah. That's the year that I did the OWL project. It was called Who Knew during 2020. And I had a vision for that project and it didn't end up at all like I thought it would. And it was just lovely. I ended up creating owls out of so many different things. I started out doing my very typical um, watercolor and ink drawings and telling the story, you know, from the perspective of this owl. And along the way, I started creating owls out of things I would find on my walks. I had an owl that had dandelion eyes and, you know, I made them out of bark and uh, did relief prints and mixed media pieces. It was just, it was fascinating and not at all what I anticipated, but the story is the great and I love it still. It just needs a little bit more in the middle, I think. So that's coming together. One thing that I find really interesting about your work is that you combine images and words. You're very poetic. And I know in your story, you mention that sometimes the illustration comes first and sometimes the words come first. Tell me a little bit about that. Do you ever just post your words on Instagram versus the image? There's usually a combination of both. Once in a while, just my words will show up with a photograph or something that's not my usual style of illustration, but they usually do come together in a way that support each other. I usually have a vision of a painting if I'm thinking of words for a poem or an essay or something like that. Usually that graphic image comes to me while I'm writing or vice versa. While I'm painting, the words will come and I'm sketching and I always have a pile of index cards. So I'm always, you know, taking notes about the storyline of a painting as it comes to me. And it doesn't fail. It always shows up, <laughs> especially yeah. during these 100 days. Other times during the year, it's harder sometimes to get started. But during the 100 days, I feel like it opens a floodgate 
of, you know, that creative magic that happens. So let me ask you this. Do you ever have ideas percolating that, that are, you, you want to save until the hundred days? Yes. Yeah. I had a whole box this year of things that I wanted to do. And that owl project just kept tickling the back of me like, oh, you just, I just, there's something there that you just have to finish. So I decided to put those on hold, but I have probably two or three years worth of other 100 day projects all ready to go. <laughs> wow. So you mentioned owls and yeah. I know you have a special connection with birds. Tell us mm -hmm. about how birds have come into your artwork, your writing and what they mean. I think that they're from the love of the birds that I got from my Nana. She was the source of inspiration for all things birdie in my life. She used to take us on walks when we were little and always point out the little chickadees when, um, you know, they were in the tree and in their nest and had bird feeders all over the house and would call us to the window to show us. And we would just sit there and, you know, watch them eat and feed them suet and fill up the feeders for her. Every time I write about a bird and see my birds and see my, you know, feeders full of their activity. I always, always think about her. So she has been the source of this and it's just carried on from there. Um, even this morning out walking the dog, my thoughts were busy. The road was busy, but there were these two birds chirping on either side of the road. And that started to be the only thing that I heard was just these two talking to themselves. And it was just such a beautiful, I just smiled and the dog and I carried on. And that's all that we heard this whole time was these birds talking to each other. You know, and then of course I start, you know, putting little outfits and hats on them and, you know, trying to imagine what they're actually saying to each other and always have that index card with me because I have those ideas. That's when I have those ideas is when I'm out walking and listening to the birds. I love it. And, and so I also know that out of one of the 100 day projects you did came a book called 100 birds telling 100 little stories. Yes. And this is a book you self-published, correct? Yes, it is. Yeah. Tell me about the book. Oh, the book. So the book obviously came from the One Hundred Day Project. About three quarters of the way through the project was when I realized that I think I might have something here to put together, like to put together a little something for my friends or family, whatever. Um, and I did. And I was able to use the skills that I have as a graphic designer and a production artist to source the paper and a printer and, and do the whole production of the book myself. And, and that was just a ton of fun. And I wanted that book to be a piece of art too. I wanted it to be beautiful enough for people to leave around and, you know, just to have out as a decoration. And I think that I accomplished that, but uh, I thought, well, I'll just order a couple of hundred copies and I'm sure I can, you know, I can sell that with the amount of, you know, friends and family that I have and workers and stuff like that. And I have ordered over thousands, you know, thousands of these books already. And it's just wonderful. People love and connect to this book so much. It makes them laugh and cry and think about the things in their own yard differently, which I find so amusing. And just when I think it's run its course and that, you know, people are tired of it. Um, it just keeps resurfacing and I keep drawing birds and thinking about what they're talking about. It's just been the most fun, the most fun experience of my career. And was that the first year? Was that 2019? That was the first year. Yes. Yes, it was. Wow. What uh, a start to your, your history with this project. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. And I've always been a, you know, a writer and interested in writing and, you know, had the daydreams of being a published author, but this really put me into a space where I gave myself the time and the commitment 
and had that accountability, being with the other people, being part of that 100 day project, I brought it to life that way. I know a lot of people in our community are really interested in this idea of self-publishing. Um, can you tell me how you found the platform, how you did it, and how you've been able to sell the books? Sure. I was able to do it because I have an incredible amount of resources available to me. I have the skills being a graphic artist that I could do the whole layout myself. I had friends that could help me with the editing. I you know, was able to source a printer that I was comfortable working with and that back and forth between, you know, the production and proofing and looking at color prints and stuff like that. Like, I really felt like I had all of the skills I needed to self-publish this book. Um, and that's really what I wanted it to do. I wanted to do it for myself and for my friends and my family. I didn't see um, going to a larger print house to be necessary at that time. And you do sell it though. Yes, I do sell it. It's available on my website um, and it's available in a lot of um, small shops here in upstate New York, carry the book, but most of the sales do come through my website. So I know another book came about through the 100 day project um, that you dedicated to your daughter. Yeah. Tell yes. me about this one. This one was called Letters to Lily. Um, I sometimes think that I didn't name that right. I think that it should have been named Dear God, what in the hell are you doing now? Or something like that. It should have been, you know, some more of a manual of how to have uh, your child leave the house gracefully. Um, but that was different from the 100 Day Project in that I intended on this to be a book. Um, I enjoyed that process so much that I wanted this one to be a book as well. So as I left my daughter off at college, I spent the next 100 days writing letters, essays, poems, um, and sketching lilies, because her name is Lily, and uh, developed another volume of work that I created another self-published book out of. And unfortunately, that did, you know, kind of hit the pandemic as far as the distribution part of it. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do a lot of the marketing that I did with the 100 Day Bird books. I did a lot of book signings and um, got this into more retail stores. So the timing kind of stunk on it, but it's a beautiful book. It's hilarious and sweet and funny and all of the things about being someone's mom that you love and hate at the same time. <laughs> And did she see it um, when it was a work in progress or did she not she see did. it? Again? She did. Yeah. Did she, she did. bless it? Did... I did ask her, you know, there were some conversations that I did ask her, so, is it okay if I talk about this? I wanted to be respectful of our private relationship for as much as I put out there on social media and for as much as I write and post to my blog, there's a lot of things that I, you know, I treasure the privacy of and want to respect the people that I'm talking about and talking with. So I did ask her and she was only mildly embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and so when did you know in 2019, at what point in the hundred days, did you have an inkling that you had the book? I'm trying to get to the difference in creating when you know you're looking to produce a book versus when it comes out of the project. It wasn't until the very end of the 100 day bird project oh. that I knew that I wanted to create a book out of these it was based on a lot of the feedback that I was getting from people who started following the project. And then just looking at the volume in its entirety, I was like, holy cow, I think I just made my first book. And tell me some of the things people were, were some of the beautiful, you know, words of support you were hearing or seeing on Instagram. Mm, a lot of it was, wow, you know, I see this all of the time. And now I'm looking at my birds differently. Or now I'm sitting here wondering what my birds are thinking. Those things are just such third treasure to hear. They really keep me going too. 
And with the Lily book, um, a lot of my friends, our parents and people that were following me were like, oh my gosh, yes, that, that feeling, I know that feeling, or I can completely relate to that. And having that connection, I think, between both projects, that feedback of connecting with people and having them recognize my thoughts and feelings as being some of theirs as well. Those things are the things that just keep me going um, as a writer, as a, an artist, as a friend, all of it um, inspires me every single day. Well, and as the mother of a teenage daughter, I probably need to read Letters to Lily. Oh, my goodness. I think you would be. I'm sure I could use the humor once in a while and the <laughs> insight. So tell me about your background in graphic design. Tell me sort of about the way your career has unfolded. My career in graphic design, I first started out, I lived in Philadelphia for a long time, for about 16 years before moving back to upstate New York. And I worked um, at the Campbell Soup Company. It was my first job as a package designer. And I loved it. I loved so much about that. I loved all of it. All the bits. Oh my gosh. And there's sort of the Andy Warhol connection. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And just to tell people that I worked at Campbell Soup at the time, it just was my job. But now looking back on it, it was such an iconic place to work. And I've met, met like just lifetime friends that were such an inspiration. When I moved to upstate New York, um, there was only one firm that was doing package design and I started working for them and I'm still working full-time for them. They're wonderful. Um, Chase Design up in upstate New York and I don't do packaging anymore, but I do a lot of production work and that skill is just something that has been incredibly helpful doing these books. Um, I'm able to, you know, just do all of this myself and it's so satisfying Um, Sometimes I do wish that I had the insight or the support of an agent or editor or a bigger publishing house to uh, get my books out there to a broader audience. But um, for right now, this is really, it's just an incredible experience, something that I love to do. It fills me up in all of the creative ways that I need to be filled up. And I just have endless, endless possibility and thoughts and ideas to do more work like this. So you have been fortunate to have creative day jobs and these passion projects and both stimulate you creatively. Yes. It's always the time factor that I struggle with having the time to do all of these things, but I work it out and, you know, I say no to a lot of things and, um, and that's okay. I do this and it brings me great joy. And you work from home. Most of the time we're back in the office a little bit. So I'm balancing that as something, you know, something to get back into. Um, But I love being in my studio. I love this time in here. So every morning before you start your job is when you do. Yes. Give your time to the hundred day project. And you mentioned early morning. Tell me how early that is. 5 a.m. I get up. Yes. I get up at five and I have everything in place the night before and have this little ritual, you know, so I do these things and it just becomes habit. Okay. Tell me what's in place the night before. What can I, I want to visualize what you have. Okay. The night before I even flush, fluff the, uh, my couch pillows. I get everything ready. I get a little blanket and I have my notebook and my pen right by the couch. I have the coffee ready to go. It just needs to be plugged in. I come down, I make my coffee. I sit on the couch and I do, Morning pages every day. That's something that I do no matter what time of the year it is. Um, I started doing um, the Artist's Wave with Julia Cameron in the, the 1990s. And I have been a, a faithful morning page writer. So that's how my day starts every day. But during the 100 Day Project, 
I do half of the morning pages. So I usually do three. I do a page and a half, and then I get right into the studio. And I have everything set up in here. I have paper, another notebook. I always write longhand on a legal pad. That's one of my one of my things I can't quite get away from. Um, and that's where my day starts, uh, right in here. I light a candle. I am just so blessed to be in this little space that is so cozy and warm. And I do it. I get it done with pleasure. The time goes by. I lose myself. It's the only thing that I do there. I completely lose focus of everything else that's going on in the world. Everything is just so peaceful before the sun rises. And just when the sun's coming up, I'm ready to wrap up and carry on with my day. It sets me up for success all day long too. It really does. And it opens up that creative avenue where all day long I'm getting ideas that there's a morning for some reason, if I'm not well, or I'm extra tired and I, I miss that day, I've noticed that I miss opportunities that, uh, you know, that aren't there. If I've, if I didn't take that time to have that creative space in the morning. So for listeners who don't know, can you just give us a description of the morning pages, what that entails? Mm-hmm. It's uh, from the book, The Artist's Way, uh, Julian, I can't remember the original publishing date of that. I started like probably in the late 90s and it is just showing up with a notebook and a pen and just let your thoughts go. You don't have to write about anything specifically. It's just like a creative process that for me, it opens the door to um, other avenues of more serious writing or something of a a specific topic, but morning pages are just more free flowing. Whatever comes to mind, just write it down, get it out there, close it, and I carry on. Stream of consciousness. Stream of consciousness. Do you keep those in a journal? I do. I have a regular old school book composition book that I use for my morning pages. If you started doing these in the 90s, how many of those composition books? Do you I have? have boxes. You know, they move around with me wherever I go. And uh, I never I never quite know what to do with them. Once in a while, I look through them and it, they seem silly. And then sometimes they're like, oh, my goodness, who wrote that? And it has to be me. You know, that was pretty good. Uh, it's my handwriting, though. I did it. But I You date them so you know when you look at them. I date them. them. Yeah. yeah. The date, the time, what the weather is. I know exactly what that moment felt like. So when you're doing a hundred day project, how much time do you allot in the morning? Half an hour. Half hour? Yep. Yeah. Sometimes I'll need a little bit more in the evening um, to maybe finesse a couple of sentences or something like that. But usually um, 30 minutes is all I can allow for. If I start adding more time to that, I start to overthink. It really needs to be a quick sketch, a quick thought. And then I can build on that if I need to. But allowing that short period of time makes it manageable for me too. And do you ever get stuck? Do you ever have a morning where nothing is coming onto the page? Um, not yet. I don't always keep everything that I write, but something always shows up on that piece of paper. Whether or not I keep it is a whole different story, but something always does show up. And the more days that go on, the more ideas bubble up quickly. Like I really feel like those days just um, build on each other. You know, the more days that I have into the project, it just it just starts snapping and coming together um, the ideas just bubble so quickly when you've, when I've committed myself to that hundred days. I mean, this is, this is a practice that is so simple. It doesn't cost anything. Anyone can do this. Are you, absolutely? do you feel like you're a cheerleader for the hundred day project? Do you spread the word to friends and try I to do? People? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do. I just, just, and it doesn't have to be drawing or writing. It can be, you know, sew something or, 
um, go out and take photography for a hundred days. It can be something completely different than what I'm doing or what everybody else on Instagram is doing. Um, make it yours, make it yours. You can make this and mold it to however fits your lifestyle and to whatever, you know, fill, fills you up creatively. And then, so what time of day? So you set aside the morning, 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. to start each day of the project. At what point in the day do you post your work on Instagram? I try to do it in the morning. Um, if I do have a leftover piece, I might wait until the afternoon or evening. Um, but I do try to really, I just try, I like to wrap it up. I like to have something checked off of my list. Um, so I like to get it and post it as soon as I have it done. And that and then, gives more room for me to not overthink it as well. You know, I'm, I'm not fussing and editing things that just need to kind of flow organically. Now. Do you immediately start looking at your feedback or do you wait until later in the day to see what people have said? Or how does that work? Because the feedback's important, right? Feedback is important. And the feedback can also be my demise. I try to not get too sucked into looking at everything immediately and allow myself an hour in the evening to go through. I do want to interact with what people are saying. And I do want to see other people's work too, but I can fall down that rabbit hole of, uh, you know, scrolling really quickly. So I do try to allot an an hour in the evening to respond to people, to look at other people's work and to be thoughtful about that process. I have to put a cap on it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You could spend your whole day. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm always excited to see what people have to say. So it's something I look forward to in the evening. Have any of your fans ever given you suggestions or posed things that inspired the next day's work or done anything to change the course of the project? I don't think change the course of the project, but people's input definitely does influence, um, you know, how I'm thinking about something. Uh, If people are liking where a story is going, I might go a little bit deeper into it. Um, I've definitely done that, but it hasn't ever changed course. And you must have met all kinds of friends through this, online friends that you've never met in person, but that you're connected with because of the project? I have. I have. I've made these wonderful friendships. And you know, you get to feel like you know people for as much as, you know, I need to cap that time on social media. It opens up this whole world of, you know, discovering other people's work and their lives. And I love people's stories. I love to see, you know, not only their artwork and their creative process, but their children and just to watch these people's lives, you know, evolve and grow and watch their families grow over the past five years. It's been incredible. Yeah. Give me a sense where some of these people live. Oh my goodness. All over the place. There was a woman um, in New Zealand and she would always look at my work. We were obviously opposite time zones and I would wake up to the the lovely note from her that I inspired her project for the next day. And I think that that's as far as my reach went, but um, just, it's amazing. Like where else would you ever get the opportunity to, you know, collaborate with people like this? Nowhere, you know, it's really, really neat. I love it. And so for listeners who have not ever participated in the 100 Day Project, who are, you know, thinking that this might be a good idea for next year, tell me what happened with you. You said you were following it for a couple of years before you you committed to it. How did you make that decision? How did you decide this is the year I'm going to do it? Well, unfortunately, it was because I had broken my leg <laughs> and I finally had time to do something, you know, I, I was sitting in a recliner in my living room for months and I was watching these little birds come to a feeder 
And that's how it started. And that's when I finally said, you know what, you actually do have 30 minutes during the day, because look at you sitting here for 30 minutes and what you can get done. That was the pivotal point, the changing point for me. Until then, I had always watched people's projects. And then I, oh, well, wait a minute. I'm overthinking this. I don't have to devote an entire day to creating a piece of art or a piece of writing. Just, you know, give myself 30 minutes in the morning. You know, looking at it one day at a time was really important to me as well. I can't look at the start date and just be like, holy moly, this isn't going to be done until June. I think like, oh, day one. Oh, look at you. You did day one. So I'm guessing, you know, it started this year on the 23rd. When is the last day? Because I'm guessing that day's in your mind. Yes, I believe it's June June 7th, I think it is. I wrote it down. So yeah, it's in the early part of June. So it's there. It's in the back of my mind, but I'm trying to just day by day it as I have to. <laughs> and if you were to do a weekend trip or go somewhere, you would just bring your supplies and make the time. Yeah, I have a little to go. Yeah, I have a little to go bag with me. Um, so I can do this from anywhere. I can do it from a park bench in the car. I've done it in the parking lot of, you know, the grocery store. You make that 30. Yeah. So making that commitment to myself and showing up every day, that was the important part. And once I did that and saw how easy it was to give myself that 30 minutes of creativity, it just snowballed from there. And I'll, uh, I hope I never stop doing this. It's, it's also really interesting to think that in our lives, we're thinking that we can't come up with a half an hour sometimes. I mean, that was your initial hesitation was how do I find the time, correct? Always. Yeah, always. Yes. I always put that on myself that the, the time was a, was a factor. I could, I can't do this. I can't do one more thing during the day. Actually, I can. I just have to prioritize what's important. <laughs> and so you must know all of the different species of birds pretty well, right? I mean, I feel like you know birds, right? <laughs> I do know birds, but I think that one of the interesting things that people always um, that would maybe find interesting about me is I don't feel like I skim the surface of knowing them. You know, I have my birds that I love, my backyard birds, and I know their bird calls and I I can recognize them. But when I look at an encyclopedia of birds, I am astonished of what I don't know. Uh, so I feel like there's a whole world that I still have yet to discover. And I hope to. I haven't looked at your book, 100 Birds. Tell me, who were those 100 birds? 100 individual birds telling 100 little stories? Yes, they were 100 individual little birds telling 100 stories. So they were all different kinds of birds, but they're mostly my backyard birds. I did get into a couple of seabirds for a minute and I had a sassy hot pink flamingo in there as well. But uh, they were mostly my backyard birds talking to each other and me experiencing that in nature with them. And, you know, they started wearing silly outfits and hats and, you know, bathing suits and um, interacting with each other page to page. I love it. So it's a book you could look at page by page and, and digest it. You don't have to read it start to finish. Each one is Absolutely. a little story, correct? Each one is a little story. And I think that that's one of the things that um, my audience loves the most about my books. I get that feedback the most is that they love that they can open up to any page and read it and feel happy. It, they just... Uh, love the little birds interacting with each other and it's digestible. It's not something that has to be, you know, read in its entirety to understand what's going on. And the same with a lily book and same with, I think all of my projects, I think that you could pick it up and enjoy a piece of art and a little bit of writing um, without having to sit and read for hours. I love that you have a blog and each one of those posts mm -hmm. is again, you feel like you're walking away with a little gift for the day. You know? Oh, Thank you so much. Yeah, I love that too. 
and I never seem to do one without the other, you know, yeah. if I'm writing a piece, a little image always comes and it doesn't have to, you know, I can it just be a little sketch and a little splash of watercolor. And I've satisfied that, you know, that creative spirit of that story. You were one of many women create artists who talk about their main inspiration being nature. And I know you grew up in nature. Are you living in a fairly rural environment now? No, I live in a village now, but I'm lucky enough to live really close to a park that, you know, a beautiful creek runs through and I get there every day walking the dog. So all of those places are accessible to me. I don't even have to drive anywhere. I can just be on a beautiful trail in the woods somewhere in a matter of 10 minutes. Okay. So how was your art when you were living in Philadelphia all those years? Oh, quite different. Well, Lily was different. You know, Lily was a baby then, Um, but I did write and it was more um, storytelling. You know, there was more short stories and personal essays when I lived in Philadelphia. Um, And artwork was something that I never really shared with anybody until the 100 Day Project, the art part of what I was doing. So I'm sorry that I'm going back to your work with Campbell's, but I absolutely, (laughs) I'm picturing those really cute little um, cherubic Campbell's little children Tell me it's what so you designed. Funny. Was it soup cans? What did you design? Well, we had different uh, teams that we worked on. I worked with the beverages. So they have, you know, V8 and tomato juice and stuff like that, but definitely worked on the red and white iconic label as well. It was really, you know, one of the more fun places I've ever worked in my life. And I'm still real close to everyone there that I worked with. It was really where I uh, I learned the most too about my craft and my trade and myself. I was just surrounded by these incredibly talented people. And I still am. I still work with the most amazing people in this field, I think. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm so lucky. All, all the bits of my life are just, just as they should be. So that brings me to something else. When we were working together on your story, you had submitted your story. You and I were corresponding via email and your positivity really came through. Um, and your patience. I know that we you know, there's a delay. I think you were supposed to be in one issue and it needed to wait till the, the following issue. And just over email, I could sense how patient you were and sort of how sort of zen you were. And I want to know a little bit more about that. Where does that positivity come from? I think that this is the way that I have always been. I think that I was born with an incredible amount of patience. That was my role in my family too. I was the middle child and it was very much that typical middle child, you know, so the peacemaker, the person that was always looking at both sides of the story to find that middle ground. And I'm still that person. And I do hear that comment from my friends and people that I know that, you know, that I do have a positive outlook. And it's something that comes quite naturally to me. I choose this. It's a choice. I choose to, to live in this space. I love it. And um, I want to go back to your grandmother and her birds. What did you call your grandmother? You had a special name. Yes. She's my Nana. Nana. It's your Nana. Okay. (laughs) My Nana. Yes. And did she help nurture your creativity? Yeah. You know, I come from a, my whole family is really creative, but she definitely did. We were always encouraged. She had a closet full of scrap paper and, um, you know, half broken crayons and all of these things. And we were encouraged whenever we, God forbid, mentioned that we were bored, we opened up that closet and we would just start creating stuff. We would make you know, anything that you can think of out of all the scrap paper, she was a paralegal. So she had a box of scrap paper in her closet at all times. Mm -hmm. And we were encouraged to then get outside that, you know, I don't remember ever turning on the TV at her house or, you know, doing anything except creating art. 
playing board games, you know, hanging out with her, going for walks in the backwoods of her house. And she would point out all of the trees and birds. And she just had the sweetest, most gentle soul. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And so as a child, which came first, words or sketches? Words, always. Yeah. Always the words. I always felt like um, everybody else in my family was more artistic um, as far as drawing and creating art that way than me. I thought that the words were more mine. You know, I was the storyteller and other people were the artists, but it turns out I just needed to give myself that space to create, you know, and develop that talent. And I did. Yeah, everybody, my sisters are, my mom, everybody, my dad, they're all really, really creative in their own way. And again, that is a theme I see over and over again. People mm-hmm. who generations of creatives in a family. It's it's wonderful. Well, and, and so when you were that child exploring at your grandmother's, where did you see your path leading to? Did you see yourself being a writer, being a novelist, being a poet? No, never. Um, it's always something I daydreamed about, but I always felt like I should do something more practical, but it was always a daydream. And I see that my mom, um, saved all of our stuff when we were little. And I go through those boxes once in a while and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have always been this person. There are these silly little stories of me, um, you know, that I've written from second grade. So glad that she kept them because now they're, you know, they're just a treasure to see the path that I've always been on. And I don't think that you see it, you know, while you're on that path or while you're in that uncertainty of your twenties or whatever, and you're trying to figure out exactly where it is that you fit into this world. So the, the creative process, the design, it was, I was always going to do something creative. I just wasn't quite sure what that was. So the balance between being a graphic designer and keeping up with the writing and writing these books, 100% fills my creative bucket up. So how many people in your personal life have you encouraged to join the project? Anybody that asks me. (laughs) (laughs) Even at work, uh, even when I was working yesterday, I was talking to someone and I was like, absolutely, just do it. You're, it's day eight, catch up. You can jump in at any time. Start your 100 days today, day one. And what, what would you say to someone who is reluctant to post what they've created online? Do it anyways. Mm-hmm. I know how scary it is. It's such a vulnerable thing to do. Every blog post that I hit send on feels vulnerable to me. Just do it anyways. You'll be amazed by how lovely people are. I love that. It is scary. It is scary, oh scary gosh, putting yeah. itself out. Oh, heck yeah. Every time I do it, and it never gets easier, but I still do it. Now, has Lily ever taken part in the project? No, she has not. She has not. She appreciates it. Um, and she appreciates that she has talented, you know, artistic parents, but we're not that cool yet. <laughs> well, and so... The beauty of this project is that, or I don't know if it's the beauty, but what makes it interesting is that you can't save up your hundred days worth. You have to sort of share your work in progress along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. You really do. That's part of the whole thing is to, to be in it with the other creative community members. So um, I was worried about how this year would go since I'm not posting every day, but I I really, I feel like it's, I'm getting into a groove now where I feel confident. I have been honest about what I'm doing and uh, that I'm reworking some stuff and I'll post at the end of the week, little snippets and little pictures of what I'm working on. So hopefully that will, you know, satisfy the day-to-day posting need. 
And when you say when people are, are they, they're sending you messages asking? Yeah, yeah. When I announced that I was doing the, you know, participating in the project again this week, I got several messages. Oh, good. Great. We can't wait to see it every day. And I was like, oh, dang it. It's not going to be every day, but I will on Sundays, you know, let you all know how far I've gotten and what progress I've made with uh, the editing and reworking of some of this, you know, owl book. But no one currently has seen the owl work it's you created it and you're going back and editing it but it's brand new to the 100 day project community i did post the 100 days who knew so there is some of the owl book out there um not in its entirety though there are 100 days of owl paintings and sculpture and prints and stuff like that and they're in my instagram feed but not the whole story got it there are 100 owls there if you want to take a peek Oh my they goodness. got really fun at the end. I was out hiking. And like I said, like was making owls out of sticks and dandelions and flowers and all sorts of things that I was finding on my walks during, you know, the lockdown period of the pandemic. So it got, it got wild. It was fun. It was a blast. So what does the editing process look like? You're going back to that body of work and how I'm, are you? Yeah, I'm going back. Um, I'm filling in some pages of the story that felt like they needed a little bit more substance. This story is different that um, it tells a whole story from the, for the 100 days. So it's the story about this owl, Eli, who's followed this girl for her whole life. So it's just a story about them, which is different from in format from the hundred day bird book or letters to Lily, where those were a collection of essays and personal essays, poetry, prose, stuff like that. This book is more telling its story in an entirety. So there's just some pieces that I need to fill in and finesse and I'll know when it feels right. Um, there's a, an absolute feeling that I know when I've completed a project. What is that feeling? Tell me what that feeling is. Elated. Elated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I usually cry. How do you know what, what tells you this is it? It's finished. It it, it really is a feeling. I, I can, I'll sit there and I'll be like, so I think that might be it. And then, then I'll be like, no, no. And I'll just go for another five minutes. And then when I know that I'm done, a sense of peace almost washes over me. Um, I wish that I had the words. I never can quite explain that feeling, but a lot of times it is accompanied by great emotion. I feel just so happy or I cry a little bit like, dang it, that was it. That was what I wanted to say. And I just hands down, walk away. And do you have any rituals to celebrate? You cry a little bit, anything else? I do. (laughs) (laughs) I usually get the dog and go for a walk. That's usually my celebration. Tell me about your dog. I saw your beautiful photos in your story. (laughs) He is my constant companion. Uh, Jazzy. He's Jazzy. He's a golden retriever. He uh, was Lily's dog Bush who went to school and of course left me with all of her animals. And I can't imagine my life without him now. I can't wait to get home at the end of the day. He's the greatest dog we've had, in my opinion. <laughs> well, and there's a beautiful photo of you curled up with Jazzy. Oh, uh, every story. Like yeah, yeah. Oh. He's part of my morning ritual. He's right there. He's got his head on my lap every single morning. He's ready for it. I'm ready for it. And we settle in and we write and we do our thing and carry on with the day. And has he made it into any of your 100 day projects? There's mention of Jazzy in the Letters to Lily book. Yeah, he's, you know, everybody knows him through the village. So whenever we're out for a walk, people, you know, honk their horn or yell out their window to Jazzy. You've inspired me. It's day eight. I'm I'm not sure if I'm going to start this year, but I I feel like I'm 
feeling what you had been feeling for a couple of years. Like this is definitely something I know when I start, mm-hmm. I'm going to be hooked. Yeah. I, oh, do it. Oh, I'd be so excited to see what you do. It's interesting. And like you, I think I would go for early morning. It's a great way to start the day before your head swimming with everything, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's the most magical time of the day for me. It really is. Everything is so quiet and just to watch the sun come up and just to hear the world come alive. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm regretful when I sleep in and I miss that bit of the day for as painful as 5 a.m. can be. <laughs> so you have the alarm set. Do you ever hit snooze? You know what? I Yeah. I don't even have to set the alarm anymore. I just so naturally get up and I'm just ready to go. And And again, this takes a certain amount of discipline. Any, any words of advice to people who feel they don't have that discipline? Yes. My advice would be to do that nighttime ritual. It sets you up for the next day. It, it's a game changer. Collect all of the things that you need, have everything ready. You're a, you know, tea, coffee, whatever it is that you need to start your day feeling organized, peaceful, and ready to create. Do that in the evening. I love it. Oh, you have left us with some wonderful words of wisdom. So aside from the 100 day project, is there anything else we should be on the lookout for from you this year? Well, I have um, the art of leaving is another project that is in the final stages of production. I don't know that June is right. I feel like July may be more accurate for the physical book to be out. Um, Very happy with that project as well and how it came uh, together. It's going to be similar to the 100 Day Birds and Letters to Lily, where it's a collection of personal essays and poetry and um, illustrations throughout the 100 days. And uh, yeah, so that should be the next exciting thing that comes about. And I know there's a play on word there, the art of leaving. Will you talk about that? Yes. So I... The art of leaving, its uh, it takes form of both that noun and the verb form of leaving. I wanted to celebrate the many different beautiful physical leaves that we have here in upstate New York, in addition to the verb leaving, you know, like how everything, we're leaving everything behind. The day we're leaving this moment, um, it started to, I was just going to do leaves and then I thought about the word leaving and how much it meant and how much it impacts every day of my life, what I've left behind, what I'm going to leave behind. Um, So I incorporated that as well into the project. So all of the words inside the art of leaving are about leaves or the physical act of leaving. The art of leaving is being published most likely in the summer? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, it should be in a physical form by the summertime. And we can find it through your website? It'll be available on my website and through some small shops here in upstate New York, hopefully. And do all these local bookstop owners know you personally? Yes, they do. Yeah, we've all become friends as well. (laughs) They've all been incredibly supportive and, um, you know, held book signing events for me and are really always excited about my next project as well. I do have to ask you this. Are are your books, so I'm thinking of your owl book, is that an all ages book? Is it a, an adult book? Could kids understand it? The owl book is definitely, um, could be appropriate for all ages. All of the books really could, you know, some of the birds get a little snarky and swear once in a while, but I feel like it's something that you could probably, you know, get by, uh, you know, talking to your kids about, you know, that not all birds probably swear, but, um, <laughs> huh. 
But yeah, I think that the humor can be, you know, interpreted as a child differently. You know, it, it's appropriate for everybody. You've been very generous with your time today and with your beautiful words of wisdom. And I'm wondering if there's anything else you would like to talk about today before we wrap up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't think of a thing other than um, I'd like to thank you for this opportunity oh. and to be featured in the spring issue among so many lovely creative artists. Oh, my gosh. what an, It's an honor of a lifetime to be a part of this with you. And I thank you for it. Thank you. Your story is beautiful. Please keep us posted on all of your projects. Oh, I absolutely will, Jennifer. Thank you so much for today. Thank you again for joining us today for our World of Women Create podcast. In a world filled with endless stories, it is our mission to share the memorable personal journeys and lessons learned of the extraordinary women in our community. Their stories are stories that enlighten us, inform us, and ignite the creativity that lives in each of us. Women Create is grateful that you are part of our creative world.